Welcome to Fantasy Stories by Till Turner and this installment, The Forest Girl, copyright 2011. The Forest Girl Lisa Browning enjoyed winter more than any other season. She loved the crisp air, the brisk evenings, and fresh snow blanketing her backyard in the woods behind her house. This winter was even more enjoyable because a boy at school had asked her out and she had a new friend who lived near her. As she had done the last few Saturdays, Lisa pulled on her Uggs, put on her favorite wool Burberry coat and head wrap, grabbed her cell phone and iPod, and raced out into the snow, excited to learn more about her strange new friend, who was unlike any she had ever known, with a name like no other friend, Caradwin. What a beautifully odd name. But Caradwin's family was beautifully odd, too, Lisa thought. They spoke in very soft tones and had deep green eyes, and they whispered to the plants in their house as if they were people, saying that it helped the plants grow. Lately, though, she and her close friend and neighbor, Lance, had noticed Caradron's behavior becoming even stranger than normal. But the family seemed nice, and there was so much to discover about them and Caradron. It was a little more than half a mile to Caradron's house, but it was a beautiful walk. She always took the creek path through the woods. Her backyard, as well as Lance's and Carriage's, were accessible from the path, so she decided she might stop by Lance's after her visit with Carriage. He always seemed interested in her anyway. Lance Carpenter also liked this winter more than any other, for the same reason as Lisa, Carriage. He was mesmerized by her green eyes and long brown hair. She moved in a manner different than any girl he knew. Everything she did seemed effortless. She was also mysterious. She could appear without warning. Once when Lance was walking home on the footpath by the stream that runs through the woods, he, star he was startled to see her running ahead of him, even though seconds before she had been nowhere in sight. Another odd thing is cold air didn't bother her. Lance had never once seen Caradwin wearing a coat. She usually wore jeans, sandals, and a long-sleeved shirt with the shirt tail out and the sleeves rolled up. She had a tomboy appearance, but her eyes, those eyes, could melt a guy in his tracks. Yet he couldn't bring himself to talk to her or call her. There was something a little bit unnatural about her. It sounded harsh, but that was what he felt. He was drawn to her, but was wary of her at the same time. Maybe it would be wise just to observe her from a distance for a while, see what others said about her, before he made a move. Nevertheless, he had some homework to catch up on, so sitting in his room by the window, looking out over the woods and the stream was a good place to be for now, with his nose in his books, trying to get Caradwin out of his head. When Lisa arrived at Carriageman's house, it was her parents who greeted her. They were on the deck looking toward the woods and the stream. Lisa wasn't certain, but it looked as if their appearance had changed since she last visited. Their hair seemed stiffer and their complexion darker. They turned to Lisa when they heard her coming up the path to the back deck. Well, hello, Lisa, said Carriageman's father. Love to see you here again. We were just looking for Carrie. 
Her parents often called Caridwen Carrie. She's excited about your visit. It was all she talked of last night. It seems your friendship has taken root. Lisa smiled and removed her earphones. Yeah, we get along pretty well. She's cool. Not like any other friend I have. Caridwen's parents looked at each other, then back to Lisa. Well, we're not surprised, said the mother. She's unique. We think the world of her. Caridwen's mother spoke in a wispy, mesmerizing tone. Be careful, though. Don't let Carrie take control of you. She doesn't have many friends. Lisa caught herself becoming hypnotized and leaning forward to hear her. Then Lisa shook her head and came back to herself. Yeah, Lisa muttered. No problem. Uh, yes, ma'am. Lisa saw the parents' concentration was on the wood line again. She turned to see the object of their gaze. To Lisa's surprise, Caridwen emerged from a row of shrubs about 50 yards away, near the section of path Lisa had just been on. She waved to her parents, who gently waved back. Caridwen ran smiling across the backyard to the deck and up to Lisa. She was very happy to see Lisa. Lisa, on the other hand, noticed that Caridwen's complexion was changing before her eyes. Her face went from a tawny light brown to her usual creamy flesh tone with blushed cheeks. Lisa rubbed her eyes with her thumb and forefinger to make sure she was seeing clearly. Does this chick have a blood condition or something? Lisa thought to herself. Caridwen and her parents entered the house. Lisa trailed behind. She wasn't expecting to have dinner with the family, but the dining table was set and a wonderful aroma filled the house. Hope you like mushroom soup, said Caridwen as she pulled out a dining chair from the table for Lisa. Lisa felt she didn't have much choice and the offer was very kind. Um, sure, she replied. Now, I love mushrooms. I have them on pizza all the time. Caridwen turned to her mother. See, mother, Lisa likes pizza too and with mushrooms. Why can't we have that? Caridwen's father took his seat and quietly responded. Carrie, you know there are certain foods that aren't healthy for you. He turned to Lisa. No offense to you, Lisa, but we prefer not to eat foods with dairy products. Lisa looked at everyone around the table. Uh, no problem. My mom is lactose intolerant, too. Uh, pizza's my thing, not hers. I see, replied Caridwen's father. So, you see, Carrie, dairy's not good for everyone. Lisa looked over at Caridwen, who was pouting and digging her spoon into the tabletop. Caridwen's mother looked reproachfully at Carrot. Carrie, none of that. You have a friend here. Caridwen turned to Lisa and smiled. Lisa felt painfully awkward. Wasn't Caridwen a bit too old to get upset about pizza, she thought? Caridwen sipped her mushroom broth and looked repeatedly at Lisa. Did you bring your music thing? she said. Lisa knew it was her iPod that Caridwen was interested in. As she turned to take it out of her coat pocket, she glanced at the family, who were all drinking tall glasses of water without stopping. She had never seen anyone drink so much without having to stop to swallow. She leaned over to Caridwen, who had just finished her water. Here, she said, I just put new music on it today.
Kirijun quickly grabbed the iPod and headphones and in seconds was swaying from one side to another in her seat, completely entranced by the music. Lisa and Kirijun excused themselves from the table and went to Kirijun's room. Kirijun danced to the music as Lisa looked around the room. It was dimly lit, but very inviting. The walls were a sage green and there were plants on the floor in wall sconces and in hanging baskets. The room had a magical woodland scent to it. What always struck Lisa as odd was there were no toys or objects one would expect in a bedroom. No posters of rock stars, no stereo or television or computer, and no books. How could someone have a, not have a single book in her room, Lisa pondered. As a matter of fact, she hadn't seen a single book in the house, and this was at least her fourth visit. It was obvious to Lisa that Kerjwin had a sheltered life, and that she was Kerjwin's closest friend, if not only friend. The only time Kerjwin used an iPod was when Lisa visited, and Kerjwin had little knowledge of school or what was on television. She learned all about that from Lisa. Kerjwin kept spinning to the music in her earphones. Lisa watched, amused. There was something changing. Kerjwin's features were aging or becoming angular. Lisa couldn't be certain. Finally, noticing that Lisa wasn't dancing because she couldn't hear the music, Kerjwin stopped twirling and fell backward on the bed. Lisa stood against the windowsill, the bed in front of her. Kerjwin's hair was stiff. It looked as if it would break if she touched it. But what Lisa saw next filled her with amazement, then horror. On the floor at the bottom of the footboard were what appeared to be writhing, gelatinous roots slowly receding around the footboard to the other side of the bed. Kerjwin made a groan, then sigh that sent chills down Lisa's back. Too stunned to move, Lisa looked down at Kerjwin, who was still lying on the bed, head towards Lisa. Lisa heard Kerjwin make a bizarre giggle that sounded somewhere between a quick rhythmic whine and two pieces of wood being rubbed together. Kerjwin looked up, her eyes black like tar and her face the same tawny brown Lisa had seen earlier. Lisa gasped and ran to the door. Escape was all she wanted. Lance had finished his homework and couldn't get Kerjwin out of his thoughts so he decided to do a little private investigating. Who was this girl and her family? Where had they come from? It didn't take long to find that Kerridgewin Ash was homeschooled and that the family had moved four times in less than two years. The most disturbing internet hit was an article in a local paper from Mineral, Virginia, where the family had lived prior to moving here. Evidently, Kerridgewin and her family were linked to the disappearance of a young girl, though no charges were ever made. Then, on Google, Lance found another troubling link. It was from a paper in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia. A girl by the name of Carriagewin Ash was expelled from school for harming other children. Again, one child was never found. So that was before they moved to Mineral, Lance whispered to himself. Man, this chick needs some serious medication. Lance glanced out his bedroom window and noticed it was snowing. But there were two people walking along the creek path. They were Carriagewin's parents. They were pushing snow and leaves and fallen limbs aside with their feet 
as if they were looking for something. Then, like a reflex action, they looked up at Lance. His blood went cold. He moved away from the window. His mouth was dry and his heart was beating frantically. He remembered Lisa. She had been spending so much time at the Ash's house. He had to tell her, and very soon. She definitely was in danger. He grabbed his jacket, dropping and stepping on his cell phone as he sped towards the door. He didn't care about Caridrin's parents. He had to alert Lisa. He had seen her walking to the Ashes earlier. God, please let her be all right, he said as he shot down the stairs. Lisa had just made it to the kitchen door when something smacked her on the back. She looked behind her, panting. Caridwin was running toward her. Why are you leaving? Caridwin yelled. What have I done? Why don't you like me? Her voice increased in pitch and volume, which made Lisa cry out from the pain in her ears. Lisa made it to the backyard. She tripped on the fresh snow but regained her balance. She would run to Lance's house, she thought. It would be closer than hers. Just follow the creek path and run as fast as possible. Lance, she thought. Call Lance. She took out her cell phone and nervously fumbled with it to find Lance's number. Tears were welling up in her eyes and her heart was trying to push its way out of her chest. She didn't dare look back at what or who was following her. She was on the path. A half a mile, just half a mile, she thought. She found Lance's number. Pick up, pick up, she cried to herself. She could hear limbs breaking in the woods. The sun was setting and the snow was falling heavier now, making it hard to see. There was movement far ahead. Lisa was starting to panic. Her breathing was erratic. Answer, Lance, answer your effing phone. The sound behind her was getting closer and louder. She stumbled on a tree root. That's impossible, she thought. No roots on this path. She fell to her knees, and her phone flew out of her hands, landing on the path a few feet ahead of her. Lisa was near hysterics, her voice faltering. No, no, why me? Why is this happening? Why, why? She reached her phone, and a loud, horrifying crunch came from behind. Lisa was nearly paralyzed with fear. She held her cell phone in her left hand, trying to use her right to find Lance's number. She couldn't turn around. Turning around meant certain death. She was sure of that. The sh she slowly lifted the phone, and in its screen, pockmarked with melting snowflakes, she could see a hideous shape behind her. It made no sense. What was it? There was breathing, too, but it was crackling and breaking, but breath all the same. She tilted the phone higher. The thing behind her was moving and sending out tendrils, roots. This isn't happening, Lisa whispered, trying to calm herself. Just get up and run. Run to Lance's, she thought. Her legs and arms ached from fear and the sudden fall. She knew she could get to Lance's if she willed it. Don't look backward. Just move, legs, you stupid legs, she whispered. Her mind was numb. She gently put her phone in her coat pocket and positioned herself to start running. Snow smacked her face and a biting wind blew across her, making it hard to breathe. She remembered track practice. Could she sprint now, now that it mattered, now that it was life or death? On your mark, she thought. Get set. Go, she screamed, pushing with her legs with all of her strength, every muscle on fire. I can make it. I can make it. A stinging slap on her right shoulder sent her down once more. 
She wanted to turn. She couldn't be far from Lance's. A snake-like root slithered to her right in the snow on the path. She could hear a crackling and rasping, trying to speak words. Was it real? She also heard Lance. Yes, she whispered. What was he saying? It sounded like man, something not man. Lance had seen the transformation. Now, as he stumbled through the snow to reach Lisa, he understood why Carriageman could appear out of nowhere. Lisa lay on the snow-covered path, reaching out to him. Behind her, towering as high as the rest of the bare trees in the woods, was the thing Carriageman actually was. A gnarled and twisted trunk loomed over Lisa. Roots shot out in all directions, quickly burrowing into the earth. Some landed over Lisa, who was desperately trying to break free. Lance was almost to her, screaming until he felt his temples would burst. They're not human. They're not human. I'm coming, Lisa. Just hold on. Hold on. There seemed to be movement all around the woods. The ground was rumbling as if an earthquake was imminent. Lance finally reached Lisa, who was yelling and crying, her eyes red and her fingers raw from trying to claw herself away from the monstrosity Carriageman had become. Lance grabbed Lisa's arm and tried to pull her free of the massive roots that had started to weave around Lisa's legs and waist. With each pull, Lisa cried out in agony, and the hellish tree sent out more roots to capture her. Limbs thudded to the ground, sending wakes of fresh snow over Lisa and Lance, chilling their faces and hands. Lance kept tugging. Finally, the roots gave, and he felt Lisa move forward. Lisa cried out, Pull! Don't stop! Please get me out! Please! Then the earth shook. Lance, who had been on his knees pulling Lisa, fell over. Lisa, already on the ground, was rolled onto her side. They were certain the ground beneath them was going to explode. To Lance's right, he saw roots emerge from the snow and lunge toward the monstrous tree. Another, and then another. From his left, he saw more roots fly from snow mounds and attach to the tree. Lisa broke free of the tuberous web and crawled up to Lance, who quickly hugged her and warmed her. She and Lance saw in the snow what horrified them and bewildered them. There were two large trees, one on either side of the path, sending roots out to envelop the menacing tree that had anchored itself in the middle of the path. The two flanking trees also bent towards the central tree, weaving their topmost branches in the, with the middle tree. There was a deafening roar combined with the bending and breaking of limbs, which sent out bark chips with such force that they embedded in the trunks of nearby trees. The sounds gradually changed. The ground now vibrated gently, but didn't rumble. All three trees began to shrink. Roots began to retract, but still moved with the ferocity of large whips, cutting down everything in their paths. Lance and Lisa were rigid. Their hair was covered with snow. Their breath was a cloud in front of them. Their teeth chattered as they shivered uncontrollably. They watched helplessly as the three trees began to take on contorted human features. Bends in limbs became joints for arms and fingers. Roots receded up into the trunk and morphed into legs. Many smaller limbs and roots retracted into the larger ones, 
until all had migrated to the trunk of each tree. The transformation was both stunning and grotesque. Lance and Lisa looked away when faces became apparent in the trees, faces that were looking directly at them, faces with peering black eyes. Lance and Lisa heard footsteps in the snow and the sound of breaking twigs. They could also make out whispers, human whispers. The two gradually looked around and saw three dark figures heading down the path towards Carriageman's house. The snow was still falling heavily and it was getting dark. Lance and Lisa finally gathered the courage to get up and run to Lance's house. They would finally be safe. They warmed themselves by the fire and after an hour or so, after they had calmed down, Lance escorted Lisa back to her house. The next day, Lisa called Lance to verify that the night before hadn't just been some nightmare. Lance assured her that it had been real. Both said they would never be the same again, and both vowed to never tell a soul, not even their parents, who would believe them anyway. They met at Lance's later in the day and walked through the blanket of fresh snow towards Carriageman's. The area where the attack had occurred was still disturbed but covered with two inches of fresh snow. No one would ever suspect. They looked at each other and laughed a sigh of relief. Several minutes later, they arrived at the walkway that branched from the main path and led to the ashes back deck. Lisa noticed there was something different about the backyard, but wasn't certain what it was. There was no one around and the house was dark. They made their way to the front of the house. Each commented that there was a feeling of being watched. In front of the house was a for sale sign attached to a lopsided board that had been quickly driven into the ground. Lance noticed there were no footprints in the snow. Man, they must have come home and put this sign up as soon as they could. Seems weird. As the two returned to the backyard, Lance told Lisa what he had learned about the ashes. Lisa stopped in her tracks. It's okay, Lise. It's okay, said Lance. They walked back towards the footpath when Lisa noticed something shining under a thin layer of snow. It's my iPod, she shouted. Oh my God, I completely forgot about it. See, everything's not so bad, Lance said. It's strange, though, Lisa muttered. Carriageman was the last one to have it. She must have dropped it when she was chasing me. You don't seem convinced. No, I don't know. It just seems like a freaky place to lose it, unless... Unless what? replied Lance. Unless this is where she started to turn into... You know... Whoa! Now that is freaky. They looked around at the backyard once more. It really does feel like we're being watched, Lance remarked. As they looked up at the clear blue sky and the snow-covered trees, they noticed something very odd. Lance, started Lisa with a faltering voice, look at the trees. I know, they all have snow on their limbs except, Lisa finished Lance's comment, except the three of them near the area where I found my iPod. Then they're still here, 
Lance whispered. Let's get home. Never come this way again. They'll leave us alone. They don't want anyone investigating them. Lance and Lisa made their way home and never heard of the ashes or carriage one again. Though one day, the following spring, they took the path to the walkway that led to the ashes' backyard. A new family had moved in, and there were children playing on a swing near the spot where Lisa had found her iPod in the snow. Both Lance and Lisa felt a chill when they saw that the trees, the three trees, were still standing. They wanted to warn the family for the children's sake, but they couldn't bring themselves to do it. No one would believe them. Besides, summer break was only a week away, and they would continue with their lives like nothing had ever happened, and convince themselves over and over that such things just can't exist. <laughs>